Happy Tuesday! Hope everyone had a safe, socially distant Memorial Day yesterday. This is the Locked On Syracuse podcast. We've got you every single weekday. The only place for you to get daily Syracuse podcasts. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard with you. Be sure to go check out our friends over at Built Bar. They're sponsoring this episode of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get $10 off your first purchase. And also, this week only, you'll get another $5 off any box you buy. Today is a day that we teased yesterday. One of the most exciting episodes that we have had on this show we're going to talk to Eric Diebendorf, one of our favorite Orange players of all time. So that's coming up in just a second. But first, check us out online at LO underscore Syracuse if you want to catch up with anything that's going on with the podcast and all that good stuff. All right, Eric Diebendorf, this was a lot of fun. Let's get to it right now. Pleased to be joined now by one of the most beloved Syracuse Orange men of all time. That's right. It's Eric Devendorf. He's with us here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. Before we get into basketball and all sorts of other things with you, during this quarantine time, how are you and the family holding up? Well, first off, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, and we're good, man. We're you know just trying to stay busy. Obviously, um, you know during these times, it could be... Um, you know, just in your house getting bored, but we try to get outside, get some fresh air and, you know, keep things moving, try to keep it as positive as we can. I've seen you've been posting a lot of those training videos outside and got a lot of cool reactions on Twitter from some kids. What's it meant for you to sort of see those reactions come in? I mean, it's awesome because, you know, at first it was me just kind of going outside dribbling, um, obviously with the gyms closed and, and, you know, they took the rims off the hoops outside. So, uh, I just went outside, started dribbling, and I figured I'd start recording myself, do, doing some drills, try to uh, try to keep these kids engaged. And, and really, it's all ages. You know, it doesn't just have to be um, the younger kids. But um, it's it's been awesome, man. Like you said, the response has been great. Um, you know, I wasn't really looking for it. Again, I was just trying to, you know, put something out to, to help everybody. Um, but, you know, the response has been great. And I've been getting, you know, messages saying thanks, you know, for getting my kids out. Um, and, and just, you know, teach them new things. Um, and, uh, no, it's, it's been good, man. I'm, I'm happy I'm able to help these kids and, um, you know, people it's been, it's been all around, you know, it hasn't just been, um, locally, it's been a pretty good response all around the country with, with it. I know you're someone who really likes to give back, whether it's in, in Flint, Michigan, or I've seen the coat drives that you do around Syracuse. When did you start to make a real concerted effort into giving back and giving out to people? Um, I think, uh, you know, probably when I got back from uh, playing ball overseas and um, uh, I was at Syracuse and I think the first thing I did, we just had, uh, we just did like a clothes drive or something. I had like a bunch of, um, you know, older clothes that were still in good shape. And, you know, I kind of went around and and picked some up from other people that I, that I know and, um, that's really kind of how it started. And then, you know, I got into the, uh, you know, coat drives and shoe drives. We had back to school stuff with um, kids getting free haircuts and, and uh, you know, school supplies and things like that. So, um, you know, it's just the uh, least I could do. Um, you know, Syracuse, the community of Syracuse has been so good to me um, and treated me so well. So, um, you know, it's, you know, something I love to do, give back to the community that's, you know, giving back to me. That's really cool. So to get into your playing career a little bit now, going back to high school, when you were at Oak Hill, 
I'm sure you probably saw, but Dior Johnson, Syracuse commit, is obviously now going to Oak Hill. But for you at Oak Hill, what did that do for your growth? Um, I mean, it helped me tremendously. I think Oak Hill is um, – it, it's really like a, a college in itself, If you, you know, how they run things and, um, you know, the competition that you're playing, the, the travel, um, you know, the schedule as far as, you know, with the travel and having to balance school. So um, it really prepped me for um, going to Syracuse and, uh, you know, already, you know, having guys like, you know, Kevin Durant, Tywin Lawson, Jamont Gordon on my team, um, I was used to, you know, playing with guys of that caliber. So uh, when I got to Syracuse, I was already ready for, for that level of play and in uh, and, and the travel and everything that kind of comes along with it. So, um, you know, Oak Hill and, and Coach Smith have, um, created something that is super special up there. And it's, you know, it's the best high school basketball, uh, you know, in the country, if not in the world. KD has been a real kind of hot button topic with Syracuse ever since Jim Beheim said something on a zoom not too long ago when they were rewatching that national championship game, basically saying if Troy Weaver was still with the program that the orange probably winds up with Kevin Durant. Do you know how close was he to coming to Syracuse? Um, I don't really know too much. I, you know, I remember just that, uh, when I, we were at Oak Hill, um, I remember Texas was on him pretty early, you know, and he was a junior and I was a senior. So, um, I really didn't hear too much about, you know, him coming to Syracuse. Um, that would have been pretty cool. Cause you know, we'd have been teammates again, you know, high school and then college, but, um, you know, wherever he would have went, uh, he would, he would have made a heck of a difference and, and the team would have been, you know, that much better. Were you recruiting him at all to try to get him to come to Syracuse? Uh, no, no, I wasn't, you know, um, you know, he had, you know, people for that and, um, you know, he had a lot of people around him taking care of that. So, um, I wasn't one to try to sway anybody. I think, um, you know, he, he had everything down packed and, you know, he made a good decision for himself and his family. And obviously, you know, it worked out seeing where he's at now. For you and your recruiting process, you're originally committed to Michigan State, but when did Syracuse come into the fold, and what was that first time you met Coach Beheim like? So, uh, yeah, I was committed to Michigan State at first, and it was, um, I think it was going into my junior year, um, I was at a game uh, in Bre- at the Breslau Center in Michigan, uh, in Lansing, Michigan, and they were playing Syracuse. Um, and that was the first time I actually saw Syracuse play, and that was 2003 with Mello and uh, G-Mac and, and uh, Hack and, and all those guys. And I just remember the style of play and how Coach Bayheim really gave him that freedom to kind of get up and down the court and make mistakes and play through it. Um, and it, it was really kind of similar to my style of play, and, and it really uh, um, you know, sparked my interest. And, and I remember telling my, my AAU coach at the time, um, you know, I want to kind of, I want to look into Syracuse, see what's going on. You know, I, you know, at that time I was committed, so nobody, you know, nobody was recruiting me. But um, yeah, I remember telling him that. So, and I had to go, you know, tell coaches that I was going to decommit, uh, which was, it was, it was just tough at the time. You know, me being that young, having to call a Hall of Fame coach and, and tell him that was, was tough. Um, but uh, the next week, I remember uh, my coach, he got in contact with, with uh, Syracuse. Troy Weaver at the time was the assistant coach, and him and Coach Beheim flew down that next week to uh, to Detroit to watch me practice with my AU team. And um, that was the first time I met Coach and, and Coach Weaver, and, and they offered me a scholarship on the spot. And, and um, 
you know, it was kind of, it was, it was easy, you know, it was, it was me really just reaching out and, um, them flying down and offering me a scholarship. And it was, you know, the rest is history. I guess it works out for you because you go from hall of fame coach to hall of fame coach, but what's that conversation? What are you saying to coach Izzo when, when you're essentially turning down a, a hall of famer? Yeah, well, you know, I was just telling him I wanted to kind of keep my options open and, and, you know, uh, see what other schools were out there. Um, you know, I was, I went down to Florida, uh, Syracuse, you know, I had Louisville, North Carolina schools like that. So, um, you know, I, I had some pretty good options, but yeah, it was tough. I mean, he thought he, he wasn't happy with it. He, he actually was like, you know, this is probably a bad decision. I remember him saying that. And, and I was like, well, you know, it was just you know, me wanting to open up my options and, and see what else is out there. So, and, and at that time, you know, it was, um, you know, the best, the best guys in the state of Michigan, they usually went to either Michigan or Michigan state, you know? So, um, this was, this was kind of a big deal. And, um, yeah, he, he wasn't happy, but, um, you know, like I said, it, it worked out um, going from, you know, Coach Izzo to, you know, another Hall of Famer and Coach Bayhawk. Well, I think I speak for all the Syracuse fans when I say that it wasn't a bad decision in the long run for, for those fans. But what do you miss most about playing for Syracuse and playing in the Dome? Oh, just the atmosphere and, and, and the camaraderie with the guys. Um, that's really the best, you know. Um, grinding through the whole preseason, through the summer, um, you know, in, into the season and just, um, you know, going to war with those guys with 30,000, you know, fans watching and then 100,000 plus more on TV. Um, you know, it's nothing like it. And, um, you know, going in there on a Saturday morning, noon game versus Villanova or whatever it was, it was just awesome. And that's that's what we, you know, wanted to do. We wanted to be in that position. And that's why we worked so hard, you know, as young players trying to get to this, this spot. And, um, you know, I, I, I miss that, man. It's, it was fun. It was a fun time. It was a great experience and, um, you know, definitely something that I'll definitely cherish forever. All right, Diva, hold on one second, because first we have to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. You know, the only way that I can imagine lasting an entire six overtime game these days is with the help of our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is our favorite protein bar on the market and you too can experience the power of Built Bar. They're rolling out some new flavors this week. Peanut butter, banana, pineapple upside down cake, coconut pecan pie, and blueberry lemon, which is one I'm really looking forward to trying. You've been hearing everything that Tim and I have been telling you. You can get $10 off when you use the promo code locked on, but guess what? For this week only, there's a bonus offer on top of that, $5 off every box of bars this week on top of the $10 off that you're already getting. So $15 off any box when you use the promo code locked on. Go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code locked on, and you will get $10 plus an additional $5 off your first purchase. I'm sure you get asked about this thousands of times a year, but of course the six overtime game, one of the most iconic games in college basketball history, and you obviously were a part of that. Leading into the game, did you or maybe any of your teammates kind of get this feeling like, I don't know, like sometimes you get an eerie feeling before awesome things happen. Did, did you have one of those leading into that game? Like this could be an epic one that we're in store for? Uh, not, not that I can remember. I just know, you know, the Big East Tournament, Madison Square Garden, New York City, we're playing against UConn. That's our rival. Uh, and, and we always, you know, we were on ESPN, so we wanted to show out. We wanted to put a good showing. 
Um, and we knew it was going to be a high-level game. You know, we played UConn already twice that year, so this is going to be our third time playing them. Everyone knew each other, knew knew what each other was doing, and um, so we it was just really guys who was going to compete the hardest and who was going to keep going. And um, you know, it ended up being an unbelievable game. You know, probably uh, the greatest college basketball game of all time. And um, you know, no no one knew that that was going to happen at that time, but to be a part of that again is something. Um, super special and um yeah i get i get asked about it all the time but um i never get tired of hearing about it well that's good because we got some more questions on the six overtime game uh <laughs> when that shot went in at the end of regulation first off i don't remember if there was a, a huddle before that or if there was a timeout like type of situation where you were setting up a play but that whole play could you walk us through what was going on in your mind when that shot went in and if you thought it was in for good or not? Well, yeah, I just remember, Cole, We, you know, Paul was inbounding the ball and Johnny was up there and they kind of had two guys up on him. And then I was I was at uh, a little inside half court. And uh, I think, you know, Coach just told Paul to try to get it there and, and see what we can see what can happen. And um, it took a kind of an awkward bounce and it came right to me. And then I just tried to get it off his, as quickly as possible um obviously not quick enough but um you know when it when it went down you know it was just uh a whole type of different energy running going through my body i just reacted and saw the scores table and you know got up on it so um and and i'm glad it didn't count because you know we wouldn't even be asking all these questions you know we wouldn't have had the six overtime game so um all those moments that happened in that game um you know, made it what it is, you know what I mean? A classic. Well, if it's not the six overtime game, then it's known as the Eric Devendorf game. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was, again, it was, it was an unbelievable game. It was uh, with unbelievable moments from both teams. And uh, we're, we were just glad to come out on top. At what point do you start to think, all right, yeah, like this is kind of a part of history. Um, You know what? I, again, in me personally, uh, speaking for myself, I wasn't really ever thinking about that. I was just thinking about, man, we got to get this win because, you know, we're playing too long to go home and lose. You know what I mean? So um, I just remember, just, uh, you know, talking to guys like, hey, we got to finish this. We got to keep pushing through. Um, you know, guys were following out left and right. So um, everybody was up. Everybody was ready. Next man up. Guys went in and did their job. Guys who haven't been playing the whole year. Um, and, uh, it was special, man. It was, it was even more special because everybody contributed, um, every guy in the team, all the coaches and, and, you know, and, and especially the training staff having us ready, um, you know, for that next day, which we ended up going to overtime again with, with West Virginia. A lot of people, right. uh, you know, don't remember that. So, um, yeah, just kudos to everybody, man. It was, it was a, you know, a team effort all the way around. You guys had to be exhausted that week. And after that game, after the conclusion of the six overtimes, when you go into the locker room, do you remember anything about that or what the sort of feeling was around the team in the locker room? Uh, it was kind of – everybody was definitely tired, uh, physically tired and mentally tired, more so than anything, uh, mentally tired. You know, physically, you know, guys were prepared. We were we were in real good shape. We've been playing, you know, it's, it's the you know later part of the season. Um, so guys were ready physically. It's just mentally, it was kind of exhausting, obviously, you know, going through that, uh, that long of a game and, uh, yeah, going into the locker room, I just remember guys sitting down and it was real quiet 
and and uh, obviously everyone happy, but just you could tell everyone was exhausted. And Coach Bayhan, same thing. He really didn't say much. I remember him just saying, you know, it was one of the greatest games he's ever been a part of, the greatest game he's ever been a part of in his, in his coaching career. And that says a lot from a guy who's been coaching that long. Um, so, um, yeah, it was just we, we really just wanted to enjoy that win and enjoy the moment because it was really special. And um, when it kind of, um, you know, as the night went on, it really sunk in even more, you know, seeing it go right to, a, uh, you know, an ESPN Classic game and, and things like that. So, again, just, just uh, something special to be a part of with a special group that we had. When you're back around with all the guys who – or maybe not all of them, but maybe you see one of them from time to time – What's the one war story that always gets retold when you're in a group? I mean, we had, it's a couple. I mean, I think, you know, we, a lot of times in practice, we would, guys would get into it. You know what I mean? That's just that, that competitive spirit. So we have, you know, stories of when we'd be in groups where guys would almost get, you know, face to face and, you know, cursing at each other, pushing and shoving stuff like that. So it's, it's fun to kind of, you know, reminisce on those moments where guys were competing at a high level. And, and that's what you get when you got, you know, talented guys with um you know the same competitive spirits it's going at each other you know and and that's what made us such a such a great team and and allowed us to win you know those games like the six overtime because you know we never quit we never gave up so it, it's fun to just reminisce about things like that with the guys and you know talk about the old games and, and things like that how about from the six overtime game what's the one story that that always gets retold there uh, probably the shot, you know what I mean? Just standing up on the, standing up on the scorer's table. I mean, that's, um, a lot of people ask me about that. What was I doing and all, what was I thinking? Things like that. Um, and then, and I'm sure everyone has their own little moment, uh, in the game and, and kind of what they remembered and, um, you know, what really meant the, the most to them. Even though it didn't go in, it still made for a good photo all these years later of you up on top of the scores. Well, you kind of touched I love on the scores table thing too. Yeah. I think that's like the one of the most badass celebrations you can do. I've always been a huge fan. <laughs> no, of it, was, it was a great picture, man. My mom has it up, you know, up at her house, and I know actually Coach Mayheim has it down in his basement, and I autographed oh, really? it, and uh, he he has that hanging up in his basement. So, yeah, it definitely made for an unbelievable picture for sure. Well, you talk about Coach Beheim, and now that you've gotten into coaching a little bit, what is a, a Coach Beheim practice like? And maybe what's something that's a little bit misunderstood about his coaching style? Tell you the truth, it's the same thing every day. You know, what I mean, it, it, he'll he'll tweak <laughs> some stuff that we need to go over here and there, but he's he's real repetitive, man. And and I think that's what you need to be as great coaches because you have your um, your plan and what you want to get through to your players. And then you just got to be repetitive with it. You got to go over it and over it and over it until it's ingrained in, in the players' heads and in their minds to, you know, what they got to do and what they got to get done. And, um, you know, great coaches, they they just adjust and they tweak things. And that's what Coach Beheim does. He doesn't, uh, you know, scrap it and go to a whole nother plan. You know, he, he just makes adjustments and he tweaks it. Um, but, yeah, really practice was, it was the same thing every single day. We were just – uh, he just we just had to keep on you know being repetitive with it and being super consistent with what we did. How often does he get happy at something you guys do in practice? And I say that kind of jokingly because obviously I'm sure it's a little blown out of proportion. But a lot of people see him during the games and he's got that stern look on his face. So when he's kind of behind the scenes, is he joking with you guys or being happy? 
Yeah, I mean, he has his moments for sure. I mean, he is a human being, right? Uh, <laughs> he, he definitely he definitely has his moments. Um, but when it's game time and, you know, when we're in practice or whatever it is, um, he's serious as they come. You know, he, he's as competitive as the players out there playing. You know, he wants to win games, and he's going to make sure he, he does everything he can to make that happen. And, um, you know, he has his plan, and he wants guys to stick to it and know what they have to do. So, um, and, and we all understand that we're, you know, we're highly competitive guys and uh, we want to get it done as well. So if you do what you're supposed to do, um, you won't have any problems. I've heard some guys reminisce on them getting kicked out of practice by Coach Beheim. Did that ever happen to you? And is there a story behind that? I've never got, never got kicked out of practice. Um, I've had a lot of back and forth with them for sure. Um, but I think he's, he's a guy who, he, he respected me because of my competitiveness and he knew that um, what I was trying to do was for the better of the team. You know what I mean? And if I get out of line, he let me know, but he didn't really have to let me know because I was, I knew what to do. You know what I mean? I was, I was trying to go out there and win games and um, play to the best of my ability. And again, going back, I, you know, he gives you the most freedom, um, you know, just to play and, and make mistakes. You know, players aren't going to be perfect. He knows they're going to make mistakes. Um, you know, it's just about learning from those mistakes and, and moving on and making the, you know, the next right play. So um, I was just super blessed to have him as a coach and, and learn so much from him, um, you know, not only playing, but as, as a coach as well. Obviously, all of your playing career was in the Big East. And something that Tyler and I really miss is is the old Big East and the physicality of it. Uh, what was it like just playing in that conference? And how would you compare it to maybe – the ACC today? Well, I mean, I, the conference I came into, it was, uh, you know, 16 teams, I think it was when that's when they were just adding Cincinnati and Marquette and DePaul and South Florida and teams like that, um, you know, in, which were some talented teams. Um, but we, you know, we already had the teams like Georgetown, Pittsburgh, Villanova, uh, UConn, ourselves. Um, so it, it was, like you said, it was uh, one of the most physical conferences you could you know you'd come around and you know when I was playing it was the best conference in the country um you had NBA players on every single team multiple um NBA players on each team uh most teams so um every night it, it was a battle you know regardless if you're going against UConn or you know, you're going against South Florida or Rutgers you know it was going to be a fight and you knew guys were going to come to play um and you know it was, it was a highly highly talented conference you know a lot of a lot of NBA guys if not NBA, a lot of guys who went over and made a lot of money playing overseas. So um, it was definitely a fun conference to be a part of. It, it got a lot of pub back then. It was a lot of ESPN. You know, every game we were on ESPN. And then, you know, the Big East tournament was probably the best tournament of all the conferences, if, you know, at that time, if you ask me. So, um, yeah, it was it was definitely fun. And, and, you know, it was really, for me, it was no other conference like it. Obviously, you guys had your your team rivals, whether it was UConn, Georgetown, all them. But is there a player who you maybe had maybe a little vendetta against that you just anytime you played this guy, you want to go out and destroy him? Uh, for me, it was like every best player on the other team. Really, I just, I always wanted to destroy him. But I remember just playing against like AJ Price and Jerome Dyson. Those guys, uh, you know, they're always super highly competitive guys. They talked a little bit. And, and that's what kind of got me going. So, uh, yeah, I, I remember always playing against them. And and, uh, and then also Eugene Harvey at, at Seton Hall. Uh, you know, all the real talented guards who were real 
um, you know, ultra competitive and aggressive. Um, I like going against those guys. It was, it was always a challenge. You mentioned talking trash a little bit there. And I think that's something that Syracuse fans kind of associate you with and remember you doing a lot of on the court. How much did the talking fuel you to play better? Uh, Yeah, it definitely, that's kind of, you know, I always play with a chip on my shoulder and an edge and, um, you know, I, I was always going out there uh, super competitive, you know what I mean? I didn't hold anything back. I wore my emotions on my sleeve, and um, it definitely hyped me up a little bit. You know, it was, it was something that kind of got myself going. I would talk to myself, but then when, you know, everyone else kind of joined in, it kind of got me even going a little bit more. So um, it, it was just something that was instilled in me from, from a young age. I was growing up, you know, guys, that's how we're, we were playing, you know, so – um, it's something that was a part of the game and it was just, it wasn't looked at as, you know, something bad. It was looked at like, this is, this is how it is. You know, this is a part of the game. And, and that's how I was kind of, you know, brought up playing. Was there a guy that you remember talking smack to and just, you knew you broke him. He he wasn't the same after, <laughs> after you started talking a little junk. I mean, yeah, there's several guys I'm, I'm sure, but I remember one time, um, it was in the Big East tournament against Seton Hall, and I remember uh, we got into it. It was Eugene Harvey and, and me, and it was a big it was a big scuffle in the middle of the court. And at that time, I didn't I hadn't scored, and um, we went into the second half, and I I went off and I scored like 19 straight, and and um, and then we ended up blowing them out. But uh, yeah, I just remember that specifically. You know, he kind of got me going, and, and that's uh, uh, I got my juices flowing a little bit to where I, you know, went off and, and scored a lot in a row. So, um, yeah. When you look back on your college career, and obviously a ton of successes while you're at Syracuse, goes without saying, but if you could sort of nitpick and think back on your time and just magically have yourself today talk to yourself as a college kid, what's one thing that you wish you could have told yourself then? Oh, uh, Just to be a, bit, a little bit more patient you know, be more patient and don't rush the moment. Um, you know, just kind of be in the moment and, and, ex- and enjoy the experience. Um, I think that's, you know, all kids at that age, they're just trying to get to that next thing. You know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, really just, just be patient and enjoy it. Um, you know, enjoy the process and enjoy everything that you're um, experiencing. Awesome stuff with Devo, and guess what? We're not done yet. We're going to be right back at it tomorrow. Eric Devendorf, part two, going to be a lot of stuff about TBT and the Bayheim's Army, all that fun stuff what, that he's been a real dominant part of on some good Bayheim's Army teams. And then on top of that, he's been training Buddy Bayheim. You saw some of the Twitter videos that he's put out. I think he put some out yesterday, actually, of him training with Buddy Bayheim. Some awesome stuff there. And guess what? He's going to... Give us what's going on with Buddy's mentality and what's the next gear that Buddy Beheim can take because he had a very good season last year and guess what? There is another level of Buddy Beheim that hopefully we will see when we get college basketball back and on top of that, what was it like being Eric Devendorf on campus? You know, he was a part of some really good Syracuse teams, so what was the party scene like and all that good stuff from back when he was on campus? So that's coming up on tomorrow's episode. When you're done with this one, be sure to go check out Chad Ford's Big Board for all the latest draft news from Chad Ford. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Syracuse. For Tim and Eric, we'll do it again tomorrow.